Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the 202nd edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. Joining us in a moment uh, from just across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City will be our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Coy Burton. But in the meantime, we have the third amigo in the second city, a man who is California dreaming. It's our intrepid <laughs> blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Yeah, I'll be here for just a short, uh, rapid session on some of the Big Ten action. And then this guy needs to make sure he gets all of his packing and about two days and ideally Monday as well worth of lesson planning done. So I can have a relaxing trip out to wine country, Matt, for a Ooh, wedding. Uh, Sonoma, Napa, where will you be? Guyersville. Ooh, Guyersville. Well, Which is north of the Bay Area. Is well, most of wine country is north of the Bay Area, to be fair. Yeah, but isn't uh, isn't Carmel by the sea south of? Yeah, but that's not that's not Napa, Sonoma. You're telling uh, me they can't make wine in Clint Eastwood's former town? No, I'm I, I, I'm not telling you that. But Carmel by the sea, lovely place. <laughs> Been there multiple times. <laughs> Big Sur, one of my favorite, one of the most beautiful places on earth. Had an amazing massage overlooking the waves crashing into the ocean. Uh, okay well there. that was that was a deep cut i was not expecting us to veer into former massage territory well i mean we might as well when in rome i mean you gotta um, you gotta massage the emotion of the yeah well i was gonna say i need a massage with the amount of stress that the wisconsin badgers are giving me so if you are not aware by now i'm sure that you do know by now wisconsin lost this past weekend to illinois 24 to 23 on the last second field goal this is, I've, I've been trying to think about it over the last four days. I really needed time to process this. Um, this is, I think, maybe not the worst loss, um, but probably the most embarrassing loss in my life as a Badger fan. Um, even worse, BYU last year was bad. BYU last year was bad, but you felt like there was – you felt like on that day, BYU truly was the better team because um, their defensive line really whooped up on our, our offensive line that game. Um, but it wasn't like the Badgers like, weren't trying. This game, I felt like just Wisconsin wasn't trying, frankly. It was so sloppy. It was so pathetic. Um, Josh, this is an Illinois team that lost to, no offense, Eastern Michigan. Hey, my adopted team. <laughs> They were th more than 30-point favorites heading into the game. The entire week, everything that they were saying to the media is, oh, we're not overlooking Illinois. We're not overlooking Illinois. But instead of just doing that, they just said they weren't overlooking Illinois while they were overlooking Illinois. That it's, it's plain and simple. They, the offensive line was going through the motions. They did not have any of the nastiness necessary to play the way they played. They played sloppy. They, they had three turnovers. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, his first fumble of the year, could not have come at a worse time. Uh, Jack Cohn turned the ball over. It was not good. And the defense, the defense it played like they expected the Illini to just, you know, whenever they got the ball, to just roll over and hand the ball back over to Wisconsin. And guess what? Guess what? Illinois, like, uh, uh, like the old adage goes, they've got coaches too, and they've got players too. Guess what? Richie Corbin, Illinois tailback, He's not half bad. Actually, he's pretty freaking athletic and pretty good. And if you give him space, he will take off like you saw him do for 43 yards at one point. Um, it was just lazy. It was lazy. Um, but honestly, I don't really blame the players. I blame Paul Chris. This is uh, – I've not really criticized Chris at all, even in the loss to BYU. I could squarely place that on the shoulders of Alex Hornerbrook. Um, but – 
Chris doesn't have that excuse anymore. This is not the first game he's been out coach, but um, it's he should be ashamed for the way that this team looked against Illinois. And I'm sorry, like, Lovey Smith, you know, uh, a, a very good coach. But Illinois, Wisconsin should wipe the field with Illinois every single time they play until – you know, until Illinois gets back to the level that they were at, maybe like that one Juice Williams season, 2006, uh, when the Zucker took them to uh, the Rose Bowl. It was just, Josh, like, you know, and I, I, I partly blame myself. I, the, my, I had the arrogance to leave my house at, you know, the end of, you know, probably midway through the third quarter to go to the tailgate to the, for the Vandy-Missouri game, which, by the way, Commodores winning wire to wire in that one, looking strong doing so. <laughs> uh, okay. Hey, coach. We're in the middle of uh, just uh, welcome to the live recording show. Um, we're All just right. talking about my Badger wow. issues. Oh, and Badger issues. The fact that I, I'm now, a- a- after, you know, hemming and hawing, and saying this this is the most embarrassing loss of my Badger fandom career. Um, this loss falls squarely on the shoulders of Paul Christ. Um, yeah, got, uh, yeah, I would he say out, that. He got outcoached. The team was not ready to play. They looked sloppy, lazy, and not dialed in, even though the entire week they were all saying, oh, we're not overlooking Illinois. We're not overlooking Illinois. But they forgot the part where they have to put in the work to not overlook them. And they just forgot to do that and just assume that Illinois was just going to, you know, roll over and play dead for them um, before the big matchup with Ohio state this weekend, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But I mean, yeah. you know, Josh coach, either one of you just talk me off a ledge. Cause like, this is, I was really yeah. questioning my college football fan. Like why, why do I even care so much? We uh, care because if, in a week from now, they are coming off an upset of Ohio State. You'll not even remember the Illinois game. No, you're right. You are completely 100% and that's, right. That's what makes the sport so fun. It, it literally is any given Saturday. We saw Tennessee give Alabama some fits and Tua go down. We had Purdue come from nowhere and smoke Ohio State a year ago. We have we Rutgers, Iowa we have, do that exact same thing two years ago. Yeah, we have Rutgers surprise everyone and score a touchdown against Minnesota. These <laughs> exciting things happen Matt. every week. Um, the, the thing for me in looking at this game, um, I had to do the old read about it, go through the, the play log, go through the stats, because uh, it was the same time as the – Iowa Purdue game. And I was watching my Hawkeyes do their damnedest to meltdown also against Purdue. And when that game ended, Wisconsin was up 23 to 14. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, they, they got in the bag, like yeah. a, a sleepy start. Let's flip over and watch Iowa state in uh, what ended up being a good win for the Cyclones. And then I saw on ESPN when I checked some other scores it was down to 23-21. And I was like, oh. I was like, that's that's interesting. But, oh, oh, I see what happened. Wisconsin's got the ball back. A couple minutes left. They'll just run the clock out. It'll be one of those hiccup games, no matter. Yeah. yeah. A few minutes later, pause in the Iowa State action. I checked, the, checked my app again. And I see that Illinois has the ball across midfield. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? So literally all I saw was Illinois' two running plays before the field goal and then the ultimate field goal. So I didn't see much of the game. So what I took away from looking at the stats, look at the play log and all that, is that this boiled down to just two unfortunate turnovers. The first one, obviously the red zone fumble, would have put Wisconsin up 30-14. to that game's out of reach at that point. The other one, the third and five conversion attempt, um, split opinion of that play in the Cook household. My dad, who was watching the game, uh, 
said it was a dumb play. They shouldn't have called a pass. He didn't like being that aggressive there. And me, who just saw the play log and the stats and all that, was like, oh, I kind of like Wisconsin having some intestinal fortitude and going for the W right there. Horribly backfired in hindsight, but liked it at the time. So, you know, those two bad turnovers that flipped the game. Matt, what did you think of going for the, the third down conversion? I had no problem with it. Yes. I had no problem with it because, you know, at, at, at that point in the game, I still felt like Jack Cohn was playing pretty well. And, you know, he has been, you know, quiet but efficient this year. I've had no qualms with his play so far. But this is, I don't know, Coach, like this is us back-to-back weeks with you in South Carolina, me in Illinois. Um, yeah, I was about to say, I'm, in, I, I'm wearing your shoes there. Um, <laughs> you know, a game of a team that totally checks out. Um, yeah. I didn't see the the course of the Wisconsin game. I I would see the game breaks as I was watching Florida South Carolina, which I, I thought South Carolina was about to do it back to back weeks. It looked like they um, were there for a second, but then you know, Florida Florida's defense came back, but then they just fell apart. Yeah. Um, it, South Carolina just started turning the ball over, mm-hmm. and and it was like those like Sam Darnold Monday Night Football. Uh, <laughs> I see ghosts. Both type turnovers um those are just like really uh um but yeah i mean i'm i'm in the same boat there um i i understand what it's like to have a putrid performance something just is something just is not right um i kept seeing the game breaks of oh well that's pretty cool i guess for illinois they're they're hanging in there they won't you know they're 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 playing pretty scrappy, so it looks like they're you know they're doing some, they might they might do some good things, and then I keep saying like, um, Wisconsin's not pulling away, uh, something's not right, but uh, they will they'll they'll wake up second half be all right you know it's one yeah of those, you know in eleven kick eleven a.m. kicks they're you know whatever and then well, well I mean as, as far as I'm concerned they have another eleven a.m. kick this week against Ohio State. And uh, I mean, is that going to happen two weeks in a row? I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is the proverbial kick in the ass that they need going into this game. But Josh, looking forward to this weekend. I mean, if they're going to lose to Illinois, what what is uh, Just Fields and Ohio State going to do to them? Well, I think the obvious answer is that. Let's see if this becomes a trend. I would weigh the previous six games that Wisconsin looked really good. I think they're more like the team that busted up Michigan than they are the team that broke down against Illinois. Uh, I'm hedging that this is one of those times where they just read their clippings too much. They – knew they had the huge showdown. They probably thought college game day was going to be in Columbus the next week. They thought it was going to be a top five or six showdown, depending on if anyone got upset last week. I just think that that's what happens. And Illinois is a weird program in that they have a history of picking teams off like this, that they have no business doing. I remember when Ohio State won the national title with Maurice Claret. Their their record was like blow up blow up blow up blow up blow up blow up last second victory at Illinois. And you're like, huh? Where where did that come from? There are certain teams that just they have a few pieces on their roster that can give you fits. You mentioned one, Matt. They have some decent coaching. And they just kind of pick you off at inopportune times. Purdue's done that before. Oh, yeah. North Northwestern has a Northwestern is the most guilty yeah. of all teams yeah. of, of, of that in my Wisconsin fandom yeah. and probably your Iowa fandom. Let's let's yeah. face it. So and Matt, like you witnessed that Saturday with Vanderbilt picking off Missouri. Missouri. Hey man, that was fun. You know what? I was I was. It was yeah. a good thing that I wasn't home alone watching this game and that I had was already at a yeah. tailgate where so, there was plenty of. Uh, so the uh, liquid the, courage the, to drown my tears. The proof is, will come to this statement November 2nd, but 
the thesis I'm trying to present here is Illinois is way closer to the middle of the pack than Rutgers. And in two games, November 2nd, Illinois plays Rutgers. And I'm going to say it right now here on the show that Illinois is going to win that game by 40 plus because Illinois is a competent team and decently coached. And when you're a competent team and decently coached, you can pick off some teams when they don't bring their A game. And that's what I think happened. So does that mean I'm picking Wisconsin to beat Ohio state? Probably not because it's in the shoe, but if the game was in camp Randall, I might be inclined to pick Wisconsin to pull off the win. Uh, I think the Badgers six games of evidence far outweigh kind of a fluky, any given Saturday type scenario down there in Champaign. All right. Well, the other big uh, game uh, from last weekend in the big 10 was Penn state in Michigan. That was um, at, uh, at home for the Knits in, uh, in state college it was a whiteout, and again, Michigan does not show up in a big game. Josh, uh, Jim Harbaugh has yet to win a game as Michigan head coach coming into the game as an underdog, um, <laughs> which is just an astonishing, astonishing statistic. Um, so I guess what, what was the biggest thing that you took away from this game thinking? Hot start and big plays are – great ways to win football games. Michigan beat them for the most part. Michigan looked like the better team for the most part. Yeah. Unfortunately, they didn't start beating them and look like the better team until they were already down 21, nothing. Yeah. Fast starts. Key, key, key. And how many big chunk plays did Penn state have? Felt like they had all of them in that game. And so football is, to go back to something you said, Matt, why are you a college football fan? Football is a fascinatingly constructed sport in that the scheme is super simple. Big plays, score, don't turn it over. Three pretty easy things to do. But within that framework, you have all sorts of different offenses you can run, all sorts of different defenses you can run. You can have rushing attacks, passing attacks, all, you know, a million different things to do. It's like a rubric's cube. But Penn State, they scored more and they had the bigger plays. And for a fairly simple sport, they did two of the big things that you have to do to win. Thus, they won, even though if Michigan had, you know, not shown up and dug themselves into a huge hole, of course the Wolverines were going to win. They looked like the more experienced and more poised team because they are the more experienced more poised team but they blew it yeah coach they did and penn state you know um you know don't look now but they are you know looking like a top five team in the country this offense is explosive and i'm very impressed by their defensive line yes i'm gonna go back to the first thing you said their offense is very um explosive and i i've learned um, that they have become one of my favorite teams to watch. I think Ricky Ronnie has done a phenomenal job uh, with that side of the ball and just having guys like Sean Clifford that could just come in and, and pick up, you know, where Trace McSorley left off and not really have any drop. Um, you know, you can lose Miles Sanders and and still – and still truck along and still have one of the most explosive offenses in the entire country. I mean, they, you know, uh, you talk about a team that took advantage of a great atmosphere. The Penn state Nittany Lions did just that against Michigan, Michigan walking into that had no shot. Uh, that was probably one of the most electric stadiums I've seen in quite some time. Uh, and this defensive line, yes, the, uh, what are they called? The wild dogs. Something like that. Uh, wild dogs. Uh, they are abs- – the second part of what you said, they are absolutely nasty, unblockable. Those guys just – they did a great job recruiting on that that side um, at that position. And, you know, they're exciting to watch too. They just – they fly, get after. And, and that's – I mean, 
I know we can say what we want about Penn State, but James Franklin's done a tremendous job there in, in making them a viable team, making them a viable program year in and year out. Um, they're exciting to watch on offense. They're starting to become exciting to watch on defense. And they're they're starting to make a name for themselves in the Big Ten. I don't know if I'm ready to, to crown them um, as the next coming in that conference, but they're they're well on their way at this point. Yeah, and uh, that seems like the flip side of the coin, Josh, for Michigan. And they have to recoup this weekend and play Notre Dame. So, you know, can they pull off? You know, they're going to be underdogs here. Are we finally going to see Jim Harbaugh's first win as an underdog this weekend in the big house against a top 10 Notre Dame team? No. Yeah, it's like, why would you pick them? Why would you go against what is becoming – mounds and mounds and mounds of evidence and for Notre Dame too they're coming off the bye week they got a little hiccup against the men of Troy probably were pretty focused pretty dialed in for two weeks uh that doesn't bode well so I think Notre Dame should be rearing to go in this one yeah coach I mean what do you what do you think here about this game this weekend between the Fighting Irish and the Wolverines I, I I don't know. I, I think at this point, Jim Harbaugh's got his eye set on the NFL. I think it's just kind of that train is off its tracks at this point. Now, where would he go, though? Because as we know, Dabo Sweeney probably going to the Washington Redskins. So Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's going to the Cowboys. Dabo's going to the Redskins. Uh, that leaves Nick Saban going to the Atlanta Falcons. Um. A surprise team that could no, I, th- I I think Saban's going to the Browns. Yeah, going back <laughs> to Cleveland. Yep. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, um, I don't know. Um, I know the Falcons are going to be looking for a coach. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, um, you, you you could use them, coach. Yeah, that's for sure. We we probably could. Yeah. Gents, I got to run, but I wanted to to throw a couple things out there before I did some parting shots. Um, adopted team update, Eastern Michigan, big win over Western Michigan. They head to Toledo next, uh, who is coming off an absolute drubbing by Ball State, 52-14. to 14. Ball State, the fighting boys from Muncie, still undefeated in the MAC, but uh, a good opportunity for the Screaming Eagles to get a road win there, get to five wins, and get back in the pursuit for a Bowl game. Flipping back to the Big Ten, don't look now, but ooh, that's not for Purdue, that train. It is for the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, Survived a road trip to Maryland. They've pushed their record to five and two. They head to a very struggling Nebraska team next, and then they get Northwestern. Um, Then a little bit of a hard trip to Penn State, and then they host Michigan, and then end with Purdue on the road. You figure Nebraska, Northwestern, Purdue, they got to win at least one of those. So it feels like a bowl is probably locked, although it is Hoosier football. Also in the Big Ten, my Hawkeyes, uh, I mentioned they slept walk through a Purdue game. But, Matt, I know you don't want to hear this, but don't look now. Uh, the, the upset by Illinois put Iowa back in contention for the, this crap division. Oh, I know. I, I am fully prepared for Minnesota to represent the Big Ten West in the title game. Well, that's where I was going next. Those Golden Gophers. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes you just begin to believe in yourself. And, I mean, yeah. And they came out and just obliterated Rutgers on the road. They've pushed their mark to seven and zero. They host Maryland next. They should be eight and zero, and then they get a bye week before a very, very tough stretch with Penn State at Iowa, at Northwestern and Wisconsin. But you figure if they can beat Maryland, you could probably beat Northwestern. That's going to be nine wins right there. I know. It's crazy. I mean, God, the the Hawkeyes, I mean, give me a break. There's a good chance Minnesota gets them there. And um, last but not least, a very mid-show burying the lead. But Matt, Wisconsin wasn't the only team sleeping on a soft opponent last week. Oh, no? Yeah. What Arkansas. Happened? What did they do? So, Arkansas has the monster game on the 26th in Tuscaloosa. 
at Alabama. So naturally, Arkansas was peaking ahead at the schedule. And they're hosting some team. I don't know. AU? Mm. Um, oh, no. Did they really slip up and lose to them? Yeah. I. This team's from, like, I want to say Alabama also. Mm. Um, I think they're the Tigers. But anyway, Arkansas played some, like, I don't know, Sunbelt team called Auburn. <laughs> Auburn State, maybe. Not entirely sure. Um, and they just kind of slept walk through the game. You know, they, they gave up about 500 total yards, gave up almost 300 rushing yards. Uh, they had four turnovers. And it was a sloppy affair. Even still, they were in it late, uh, ended up giving up a couple cosmetic touchdowns to Auburn and losing 51 to 10. But um, it, it feels like the, the Arkansas team, it's just not coming together as we expected. They're still hanging tough. They're sitting there at two and five. Probably will win out to get to seven and five. But uh, this, this Alabama game – suddenly feels like a must win for Wupin Suey. All right. Well, with that, uh, we will catch you next time. Uh, I will. Safe travels. Safe travels, buddy. And, Coach, you and I will uh, continue to talk about that Auburn team, in fact, as they are taking on LSU this weekend in a matchup of top ten teams uh, mm. in the SEC West. Uh, another big one down in Death Valley, Coach. What – uh, what are the big matchups you are looking forward to watching? Well, I want to see how uh, LSU's offensive line handles one of the best uh, defensive lines in the country. Um, not not necessarily one-on-one uh, type matchups up front. I think it's just as a unit, see what Auburn can do um, to create pressure and to uh, make things difficult in the run game. Uh, I really love that. Uh, I want to see these quarterbacks. I want to see, uh, especially Bo Nix, how he handles the pressure of playing in Death Valley. Um, I want to see if Joe Burrow, he's hitting over 79% of his passes. Um, and I want to see if he can do that and continue to stretch the field as well. Um, it'll make it seem like less and less of a fluke uh, if he can do that. Um, and then, you know, I, I want to see kind of how these uh, – LSU DBs respond um, to, uh, to to the style of play that, that Auburn brings to the table, I think. Um, offensively, I think in a different way, I think Auburn uh, is a little bit more dynamic than, than anybody they've played. Um, I don't think anybody that, that they've played really stretched the field vertically um, like Auburn likes to try to do. Um, and also uh, some of the misdirections that they have uh, can be kind of confusing as well. So we'll kind of see how they handle that and just kind of see how they handle prosperity um, moving forward. So um, I know prosperity is not really much of a matchup, but that's kind of like, you know, when you talk about the world of conflict, you know, that's, uh, that's man versus self. So that's that internal conflict. How can they, how well can they handle success? can they still play at a high level and not let down and, uh, and not lose the chip on their shoulder? Yes, exactly. You know, maintain the chip on the shoulder that got them to this point. That's that internal conflict. So. Yeah. And it, it's that, it, it's that underdog mindset. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, like with this Wisconsin, people blowing a lot of smoke of the butt of, of LSU. And if mm-hmm. they, you know, if they start sniffing their own farts a little bit too much, you know, it's it, it it can be a long day because Derek Brown will be in the backfield real quick. I Marlon Davidson will be in that. I stiff my own farts too. Really kind of... <laughs> Marlon Davidson, Big Cat Bryant, they're going to be in that backfield real quick. Yeah, they um, are. They are. Um, LSU is going to have to kind of, um, you know, that's going to be a, a, a the running game for LSU is going to be tough sledding. Yeah, LSU has not has not faced a defensive front like like this yet. No, they, they, no, they've won big games, but even as good as Texas, as good as even Florida are. Auburn's, Florida's better in the secondary. Yeah, that's what, I was, that's what I was just about to say. Florida's better in the secondary. Their defensive line is not a vintage Gator um, group. They have some of, injuries and stuff like that. Of Hogmaws up there, up. but this Auburn unit is. And yeah. that can lay, lay to waste even the best laid of offensive game plans. Yeah, and what makes Auburn so dangerous is is that defensive line can make you one-dimensional in a hurry, and they do a good job of helping out a weaker secondary by making you 
one-dimensional and taking away that run game and taking away the threat of the run. Um, so LSU's just going to have to keep grinding, uh, do what they do best, which is um, they take what the defense will allow them to have. They are very – this is one of the more patient offenses that I've ever seen. Uh, that's kind of what makes LSU tick. is, And that's kind of what makes their downfield shots actually legitimate is, is because they are very patient. And they – it you know, a lot of teams like to say, okay, we're going to force you into a 10, 12, 13, 14 play drive because we know you're going to be impatient at some point, get behind the sticks and maybe even turn one over. And a lot of teams kind of fall into that. Um, they get greedy and say, okay, we got to get these big chunk plays. LSU has no problem. Um, and, and the guy they got, Joe Brady from the Saints. Um, yeah, who's, I guess, technically what they're called, their passing game coordinator, I believe is his yeah. title. Yeah. They have no problem. They have no problem with a 12-play drive. They will, they will throw the hitch, the slant, the speed out, the, RP, the short RPO. They will throw that all the way down the field. They do, they do not care. Yeah, we'll take five, six yards a chunk. You know, a lot of the great teams do. Look at the New England Patriots. They're 7-0, and I don't think they've thrown a pass that's traveled over 20 yards. Or if they have, it's been rare. Um, look at the last two years in the New Orleans Saints. How, how often do you see Drew Brees taking shots downfield? He doesn't. But when he does, it's meaningful. And that's what happens with LSU. And when he does, it's been opened up because of what they've been, you know, the, the short stuff that they've been opening up to op- using the whole game before that, then the safeties start creeping down and creeping down and then they've lulled them into sleep and they go over top. And yeah, that's absolutely. exactly the same thing that LSU is doing. You don't see a lot of those big chunk plays, you know, in the passing game for Joe Burrow in the first and second quarter. You see them towards the end of the third quarter, the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. When they need them the most, they'll hit a little, they'll hit like a 20 yard, uh, fade ball, it, you know, teams will start going cover two and they'll drop those corners down in the flats and then just mm-hmm. keep the back. And Joe Burrow, one of his best throws is that little 20, 18 to 20 yard hole shot on the sideline, which what I mean is the wide receiver will run a go route and then kind of throttle down um, in that 18 yard range. And Joe Burrow will throw a laser beam to beat the safety um, because in cover two, uh, the the cornerback has the low flat, which means the cornerback plays the area on the outside of the field about five to eight yards in depth. And then the safety plays, uh, what, what happens in cover two is that you divide the uh, deep part of the field in half, uh, and one safety plays one half and the other safety plays the other. And it just it's a lot of ground to cover. And a good ball, uh, a good firmly – thrown ball into that window is, is probably the, the the biggest thing you can do against cover two. Yeah, and the, and the timing on that it gets tricky because if you throw it too early, the the corner won't have sort of settled will, will still be tracking you and it'll be tracking that receiver. And mm-hmm. so if they haven't settled down into the flat, then the, you know they're in a prime place to pick that off. So And if, and if you put too much air under the safety comes over. Mm-hmm. And if the cornerback is doing his job the cornerback will not allow an outside release and will funnel that receiver Back on an inside middle. release to give that safety time to track him mm-hmm. and then go get him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but it, it's these sort of little things, these this little, you know, attention to detail mm-hmm. um, that uh, ha- has really unlocked this whole LSU attack. And it's been really cool to see this year, uh, just watching, um, you know, everything that's happened with the LSU offense. They are a, a a team now that has gone from you know always having a solid defense and uh, but now having an offense to go along with it. And speaking of their defense, they uh, they have the potential to give uh, uh, Bo Nix an, another uh, a, another f- uh, couple freshman moments. What's that? They've got the potential to give Bo Nix, you know, a couple more, like, uh, I would say freshman moments, make him look like he, uh, the, the true oh, freshman yeah. that he is between, you know, Delpit and the rest of that secondary. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, they're I mean, going to be confusing coverages on him all day. Yeah, Delpit um, makes it really, really difficult um, 
on anybody. Uh, Jacoby Stevens is extremely physical back there. He can play in the box or he can play or he can play back. I mean, it's just they got all kind of weapons back there. You know, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot of fun to watch that that secondary play. But you know, it's not like they're um, you know they are getting scored on a little bit more this year, and I think that you know that might have a couple of things to do with they they've played a tougher schedule. But mm-hmm. you know, their points for game numbers aren't you know supremely low, even though they are clearly very talented and they have a lot of really big impact players um, to go on. But um, yeah, coach. Uh, are there any other games that you are are looking forward to this weekend? Uh, your dogs are off, I believe. Yes, our dogs are off. Um, the dogs, uh, they finally woke up in the second half and and discovered that it is not against the rules to run outside zone. Um, they are allowed to, in fact, do that. Um, and they won. Um, they finally woke up and won twenty-one nothing over Kentucky in probably one of the hardest rains ever i mean that game is zero zero at halftime that was absurd it was completely absurd i mean and even granted you knew there wasn't going to be any passing uh, there wasn't going to be much passing and they had a wide receiver they basically had a wildcat quarterback and it just i mean it, it got to a point where they got booed yeah i don't blame they, them they got booed and i totally agree i mean it's uh it was well deserved the play calling was just atrocious in the first half it was um it was like almost like they just completely would give up on a series like it'd be like third and five they just call a a, you know just a straight run up the gut um into the ass of the center and it's just like okay well the same thing was happening to wisconsin it was uh it was third and eight at the Illinois 14 and they ran and they and they just ran they just flat out ran the ball yeah it's like run 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 punt well it, it, it wasn't even punt at this point I mean it was punt. you know for it was so asinine and it was it's it's irritating it's irritating there was no, and there was no rhythm there was no rhythm to the play calling there was no okay uh okay maybe they gave us a good look on third and long no freaking Kentucky watches film They've, they've seen how putrid the play calling has been, and they, they loaded up for that. And, of course, the result was you got little to no game. You, you, a two-yard gain was a freaking explosive play uh, in the first half against Kentucky. And, you know, it, it didn't make any sense. It was almost like he was on script, and, and you could see Kirby losing his mind on the sideline. Even Jake Fromm, who is probably the most composed quarterback in the game, you know, you never see him. You don't see him. You barely see him happy, but you rarely see him show much emotion at all. Even he was, even he kind of ripped his helmet off and he was like going at Kirby going, what the hell's going on? Uh, I mean, it just, I don't know. There's something's not right. I wish Paul Chris uh, would show any modicum of emotion. Yeah. But Kirby, it's, Kirby, it, 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 it's he's so cerebral and detached and at times it's great but at times it's just like are you even are you paying attention do you have any idea what is happening on the field in front of you have you thought about maybe changing something anything yeah so exactly um but you could see kirby um kirby's very easy to read his lips mm-hmm. um the way he talks and if you read his lips, um, you know, you can tell, you can see him say, tell Coley, wake the F up. Um, let's open this effing thing up. Um, come on. Let's get this effing thing in gear. What the F are we doing? And then, you know, his, uh, some of the things he did to Cheney would be he would put the mic really close to his mouth. And then just hold it there and start screaming into it. Um, he did a little bit of that too. So um, good times. Yeah, very, very good times. But good times. Uh, DeAndre Swift rushed for 180 yards. He was SEC Player of the Week and all that good jazz. And uh, had a great second half. And some things woke up against a very tired and worn out Kentucky team because they just don't have it enough depth and they wore on him and all that good stuff. But um, you know, you just wish that 
with as much talent as they have, there's no reason. Um, there's no reason that that they should be struggling to score a touchdown against Texas A&M. Not Texas A&M. That's that's somebody on their schedule. But, Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky. And there's no reason for it. And some, you know, Coley might be in over his head. I don't know. These receivers aren't very good. I don't think he's helping them at all. I don't. You know, it's a combination of a bunch of things, but I just I think it ultimately falls on the offensive coordinator in this situation. You know, you hate to say it, and you hate to. I would just love to be able to give Kentucky credit on in a few occasions. Yes, Kentucky did a really good job of tackling in space. They did a really good job of setting the edge and forcing everything inside. And they did. They had a really good defensive game plan, but that's to no surprise because they, you know, they have scholarships too over there. Uh, They they have film. They you know. They they have a million something dollar coach and you know they pay him to do his job too so you know there's that aspect of it but you know our million dollar coordinator is not really making uh, he's not really earning his million dollars so um, some things have got to change um, you know we just we just don't get better on offense or this Florida game in two weeks is going to be it's going to be a long day in Jacksonville. Yeah. Because say what you about Florida, but you know Dan Mullen will have those guys ready to play and well coached. He's had them ready for this game since since he got hired. Since the date, literally since, since since the second after he was hired. Yeah. Um. Any other games that you are interested in keeping an eye on this weekend? I want to spotlight quickly a game that has a surprisingly close spread. Uh. Two and five UCLA is hosting five and two Arizona State. Yet Arizona State is only a three and a half point favorite uh, mm-hmm. in the Rose Bowl. And you can say, what, why? You know, you know, uh, clearly Arizona State has way better players. Their record is way better. Jaden Daniels has been really good for a true freshman quarterback. You know, Benjamin is uh, an outstanding, outstanding running back. But you look back on what UCLA did to Stanford last week. And they just absolutely ran right over uh, the Cardinal. If you guys, any of you guys were watching there last Friday night, because uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson um, had a pretty good game for himself, but Joshua Kelly on the ground, man, he basically averaged 10 yards a carry. He had 176 yards on 18 carries as a team, 263 yards and just completely completely dominated this game 455 total yards to 198 for the cardinal and uh you know it's when you see this it you know i know it's a it's a down year for stanford but uh this is the ucla team that i was expecting to see come out of the gates and if they're Mm -hmm. able to turn this around in the second half of the season you know there is there is still uh an avenue for believe it or not for them to make the uh the the pac-12 title game yeah, I, I and I'm so. obviously it's... reading like way too much into yeah. one victory over a uh, Stanford team on their third quarter, third string quarterback, but still, uh, yeah, 455 I mean, yards against that defense is no joke. What's crazy is that that division is still up for grabs enough for UCLA to still have a shot at it. Um, that's what trips me out. But um, yeah, they're playing some really good football right now. I mean, they're it sounds like they're able to. To, to do some things and they're finally it just seems like they're just finally getting settled in um honestly i mean i you know i know chip kelly's been there for for a year and yeah a, 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 a um, year and a half now but i think what's really finally happening too is that uh, w- with guys with chip system it seems like it they need a year to just acclimate to the mm-hmm. way that he calls the game and even with you know you saw that with mariota you saw that with any number of quarterbacks that played under him at Oregon. You know, they would be, you know, uh, it would be a rough start typically for them. And it would take a little while for them to really get going under his system. But then once they did, they could really uh, get yards in bunches. And, you know, uh, people think Chip Kelly, Oregon, wide open system. But it's actually not a ton of passing. It's a lot of running. And, you know, this game, UCLA looked like this is what I expected UCLA to look like. 43 carries, 263 yards, you know, uh, and 21 to 34 passing, 192 yards. This is what I – these are the kinds of numbers I expected. Dorian Thompson-Robinson looked like 
uh, has looked like a better thrower the last uh, in the last little bit. Uh, he's always been a good athlete, but never a really great quarterback. He's starting to settle in a little bit, and you know maybe they, maybe they've got something here. Uh, I'm not you know holding my breath, but I am definitely hoping that they are able to really get this you know off the ground and rolling. And if they can continue uh, to, uh, you know, with the, with the big wins and by beating Arizona State this weekend, um, you know, it, who knows? Who knows with the way the Pac-12 is playing out right now? Yeah, um, I mean, speaking of um, losers of three straight, um, they're on a three-game skid. Cal, Cal, Utah is a game that that very much intrigues me. It's a it's one of those Pac-12 after dark games that. You know, Utah. Yeah, what is, my question, what happened to Cal last week? They lost to Oregon State. Yeah, I don't I don't know about I don't I mean part of it is that Cal doesn't have Cal doesn't have a real quarterback. They don't um, they don't. Because um oh, it's it's sad. It's 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 not pretty because what has been uh Devin Monster is playing quarterback and he was at, at UCLA and he is um he is an athlete. Mm-hmm. He's a great athlete, but they're in the same situation. Cannot, cannot throw the football. No, just no. I mean, it was I mean, he was twelve of twenty-seven. Yeah, I mean, what 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 are you going to do with that? What are you going what, what are you going to do with that? Like twelve of twenty-seven for one hundred fifty-one yards. It's yeah, you can't beat anybody like that. I mean that that those are service academy numbers, man. And and the, the sad part is, is that Oregon State, they just kept tripping over themselves. Mm-hmm. They, they kept trying to lose this game. And at one point, they actually did blow the lead. And, uh, and then they, yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. It um, is. They, I mean, they were losers 52 to 7 last, uh, or uh, not. Not uh, they were fifty-two to seven losers the previous game at the hands of the Utes. Yeah, um, and you know they just had a strong running game. They finally got things, some things going on the on the ground. And um, for Cal, they just were, um, you know, just made it even more of a mess, especially at the quarterback position. So, uh, Wilcox has got some work to do. Um. Maybe he can find a walk-on somewhere. Maybe he can dig dig a quarterback some up somewhere. Or, you know, hopefully he's got a, a couple of options that he's recruiting right now. Um, but uh, this defense is still pretty good, um, given the fact that they're not getting much help from the offensive side of the ball, and it seems like they're getting worn out and uh, things like that. But, um, you know, I'm excited to kind of see how they bounce back, see if, if they can bounce back just kind of see, okay, are, are they going to get this thing figured out? Um, because they're going to have to because they're on the road against a really strong Utah team. And this is going to be – I mean, this is – this could be one of those games where Cal can say, you know, the Cal team that, that showed up in Oxford, Mississippi, um, this could be that team, you know, that says, okay, Screw these last three games. That's not us. We're going to go get it. All right. Or they could get thumped. Their season could go completely downhill. Um, and they could be, you know, in a tailspin and, and, and miss the bowl game. So, um, and Utah is still, you know, they're still sitting in the driver's seat in the Pac 12 South. And uh, so who knows? There's there's a lot of scenarios, but that game intrigues me um, a lot uh, because I think it's a pretty still a pretty solid Pac-12 matchup. Also, uh, Kansas State hosting Oklahoma, mm-hmm. the Little Apple. I think Chris Kleiman is doing a tremendous job uh, with the Wildcats. Um, Oklahoma is, you know, Oklahoma is what they are. You know, you know they're 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 very explosive. Um, they just came off a 52 to 14 thrashing of West Virginia. I mean, there's just a lot of good things we can say about Oklahoma, but Kansas state's impressive. I kind of want to see how they handle that and how Oklahoma handles a team like Kansas state, a team that's not going to roll over 
and uh, so we'll see kind of how how that goes. Um, so I'm excited about that one. See what Jalen Hurts can do on the road. The Little Apple is is a place I like. Apparently Illinois, <laughs> like apparently Sanford Stadium for a home game uh, at noon. At, that's a that's a place that at 11 a.m. kick Oklahoma could sleepwalk in there and come out with an L. That just seems like one of those tight games. I don't think Oklahoma will, but you know, the, you know this. Not to say it's not possible for sure. And I yeah, think I don't. I don't think they will either. But you know, it's it's Kansas State and change coaches. It's still the same personality of that team. They're going to be tough nosed and um, you know, really ready to get after it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that uh, is just going to about do it for us tonight, Coach. Unless you got anything else to add. No, um, I, I think we're we're in pretty good shape here. I'm glad Josh was able to join us. Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, there's, there's, you know, even though it's not on paper uh, right now, very exciting slate of ball games this weekend. Well, I, we, we, we've got, I think we have, we have three games this weekend that are, um, you know, that are top 25 matchups. Wisconsin, Ohio State, um, uh, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Auburn. LSU and yeah. I think those those three could all be very exciting games or I, th- I think that there's a chance that at least um Ohio State Wisconsin could definitely be a blowout in Ohio State's favor I think that um you know depending on which version Bo Nix shows up we could see LSU beat Alabama by you know 20 plus points um if yeah. they're if they're really able to rattle him and get to him um yeah. and uh, you know, we could also see Michigan just continue to not live up to their billing and their potential and get beat by what is still a very good Notre Dame team. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, uh, in that case, on behalf of the now departed for California, not the afterlife, uh, uh, Josh Cook up there <laughs> in the Windy City and our own offensive coordinator in the Music City, the coach, Corey Burton, This is the Professor in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. See ya. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion and check out our Facebook page. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.